Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Captain's Log Sermons. You'll be hearing Nathan preach not only at Liberty Grace Church, but also at surrounding churches. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're blessed. Good morning, West Island. Again, for those of you who don't know me, name is Nathan Captain. I've been coming to this church since I was probably around four years old. Uh, This church has been my home for a very long time, and God has used um, it and its people in some very powerful ways in my life. And for the past three years, uh, I have been away from West Highland for the most part. I have been in Cambridge at Heritage Bible College and Seminary um, because I have um, felt that the Lord has been calling me into full-time ministry and heritage is where he has led me to uh, get an education to that end. Um, but he has allowed for me to be back here this morning to share with you. One of the things that I really love about heritage, one of the things uh, that we do there is that each week we have multiple chapel services in the week. So usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays and occasionally on Wednesdays, We come together as a school, Uh, we spend time singing, and um, then we hear a sermon. We have speakers come in for these chapels from here, there, and everywhere, Um, churches from all around the community that come to share from us, or share with us from the Word of God. And um, these are times that I always really enjoy, just getting to to hear different people uh, share and to teach us. But as I listen to these chapel messages, I often notice a trend and that's that they're very uh, focused on, on me, on us. What is the Bible saying about us? What is the Bible saying to us? Um, and I want to be clear, that's not at all a bad thing. The Bible is full of, um, of instructions, of lessons that God is teaching us on how we live our lives for him. But I think it's easy to get confused. When we look at, uh, at this book and we look into it, we start to think that we're the main characters of this story. We look at the Bible and we think it's all about us and that God is just the back scenes director who is pulling all the strings and um, he's really the supporting character in our story. When really the opposite is true. This, this book, the Bible, is the story of God Every word in here is about him, and we are the ones who are the supporting characters in this story, not the other way around. This whole book is written to us about God. I want to share with you an experience that I had earlier in this year that sort of highlighted this for me. Um, So this year at Heritage, I had the joy of serving on our student leadership team, and earlier on in the year, um, part of this leadership team, we took a weekend retreat just as uh, a way to do some team building, get off campus, and just spend some time together. And leading up to this retreat, I really didn't want to go at all. Uh, There had been a lot of things going on in my life that week. There was a lot of things on my mind, and I just wasn't in the mood for a fun weekend out. Uh, But I went, and it ended up being a really good weekend, a good time to um, bond with some friends and just spend some time together. But the most powerful part of that weekend for me came on Sunday morning. So we got up on Sunday morning and we were trying to decide where we should go for church. Um, we weren't in Cambridge anymore and we weren't, we weren't near any of the churches that we regularly attend. So we were looking for uh, somewhere near where we were that we, could, uh, that we could attend for the morning. And we discovered that one of our favorite professors from the school was actually preaching at a church very near where we were. We decided that's 
that's where we were going to go for that Sunday. And uh, that morning was such a powerful experience for me, mostly because of the sermon that that professor preached. He took us through a passage of scripture, and his whole, his whole point in that sermon was saying to us, this is who God is. This is how great our God is. This is what the Bible says about God. It was a very um, theologically dense sermon. It wasn't terribly emotional, but I found myself being overwhelmed, and as I sat there listening, I was moved to tears because I was reminded of how great God is and how powerful our God is. And it was, it was, such, um, it was such a powerful sermon, and that's that small part of the weekend made all of it worth it, and I was so glad that God um, had brought me there. So this morning, I want to take us to look at a passage that I hope in even a small way will um, help us to be reminded of how great our God is. So if you could open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 100. And as you're turning there, um, little disclaimer, we're not off the hook here. There's very much a part of this passage that is speaking to us and is instructing us on how we respond to God. But what I'm hoping we're going to see is that the focus of this passage is less on our response to God and more on the reason for our response in revealing who God is. So let's read Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of being able to come together on a Sunday morning, Lord, and for the gift of your word and what you have revealed about yourself through it. God, I pray that this morning you would teach us through your word, and Lord, that you would remind us of who you are and just how great you are, and that through that realization, Lord, we would be able to worship you better. We pray this in your name. Amen. So looking at this passage, it's sort of split into two, two main sections in which the psalmist calls people to worship God and then explains that further by explaining something about who God is. So we're going to look at both of those two sections this morning. The first is found in verses 1 to 3. And what we're going to see is that the magnitude of God causes us to worship him with joy. Look at verse 1 to 3. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So the first question to ask looking at this is what is the psalmist calling us to do? And that is to worship God and to worship God with joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We are called to worship God with joy. The joy that's being talked about here, it's so much more than just a here one moment, gone the next moment emotion. It's more than just a little warm feeling that we get uh, in the pit of our stomach that makes us feel happy. 
This is an all-encompassing and an overflowing joy. This is a joy that fills every part of who we are, the point that we can't contain it and it just flows out of us. It's a joy that is enthusiastic, that is excited. Look at the wording. It's make a joyful noise. Come into his presence with singing. This is a joy that fills us so completely that we can't help but express it. It's not something we're able to keep inside. So why? Why do we have this joy in our life? What does the psalmist say about God that causes us to have this joy? Moving on to verse three. Know that the Lord he is God. That's such a powerful statement. I could close my Bible right now, go sit down, and I would have said enough. Know that the Lord, he is God. Yet, the psalmist continues, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is the God who is the creator, who created each and every one of us, and more than that, the entire world. Everything that we see, everything that we know was created by God through the sheer power of his words. He spoke all of this into being. Out in the foyer after the service, you'll see so many great works of art that people, um, that people have made and have put on display. But so much greater was God's work of art when he created the entire world through just his words. The power and the Um, the majesty that was displayed in that one act. How great God is. Know that he is God. It continues, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God as a shepherd carries the idea of a leader and a protector. Again, very powerful. He is a magnificent and a great God. And recognizing that is what fills us with such a great joy. Such a great joy that we cannot contain inside of ourselves. So the question for us becomes, do we have that joy inside of us? When we read the word of God, when we read about who God is, are we filled with that joy? With that great overwhelming joy at the recognition of how great our God is? So the magnitude of God causes us to worship him with joy In the second part of the passage, we'll see that the intimacy of God causes us to worship him with thanksgiving. Look at verse four and five. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So again, the psalmist calls us to worship God, this time with thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for who he is and what he's done. It's easy sometimes for us to approach God with some sense of entitlement. We come to God with our lists. Okay, God, I want this, this, this. It's like we punch our numbers into a vending machine and expect everything we want to pop out the bottom. But that is not what's being talked about here. It's approaching God with such a grateful and a thankful heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. We are called to be thankful to God for all that he is, for what he's done in our world. And it goes on, explain that this God is so much more than just some grand cosmic creator who invented the world, wound the crank, and then sat back to watch it run. 
This is a God who is intimately involved in the world that he created. This is a God who loves his creation, a God who loves his people. Look at verse five. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. He is a God who is full of love and more than that, steadfast love. This is very intimate language that's being used here. He is a God who loves us and loves us intimately. And he is a God who is faithful from generation to generation and nowhere is that seen better than in the story of Jesus Christ. We were to look back in the book of Genesis, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, through you, all people will be blessed. Through your family, all people will be blessed. In Matthew chapter one, gives us a list of Abraham's family, starting with Abraham and going all the way down the line through generation after generation after generation, ending with the birth of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus who was the son of God. This is Jesus who was God incarnate, who came to earth to live a perfect life free of sin and yet to die on the cross in the most painful way possible, taking the punishment, taking the wrath that you and I deserve for the sins that we have committed for our rebellion against God. We deserve to be on that cross, not him. And yet he took that punishment anyway. He willingly laid down his life for us. And that is the greatest expression of love that this world will ever know that God was willing to sacrifice his own son to take the punishment that we deserved. And that sacrifice, that act of love, that was the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham so many years before. And Abraham never lived to see the true fulfillment of that promise, and yet God remained faithful through generation after generation until the birth of Christ. And so as we recognize God, we see his love, the love that he showed for us at the cross. We're driven to thank him, to worship him for who he is, to worship him with a heart full of thanksgiving for the gift that he gave, the gift that we never could have deserved, and yet he gave to us anyway. So as we come to the end of this passage, Maybe sitting there and thinking, okay, you've done exactly what you said you weren't going to do. It's been, okay, how do we worship God? We worship God like this. We worship God like that. But if you look at the passage, what we do is not the focus here. It's a part of the passage, and it's an important part of the passage, but it is not the focus. The focus is on God, on who God is. I like to think about it this way. Let's, let's say you're walking down the street one day and you look up and you see a bus just barreling towards you and you can tell this, it's not gonna be able to stop before it gets to you and in a moment of sheer terror, you're just frozen. You can't move, you, can't, you can barely think. And you can tell this bus is gonna hit you and you're gonna die. And yet at the last second, someone comes in and yanks you out of the way and saves your life do you have to sit there and think to yourself, okay, um, this person saved my life. I should probably, I don't know, say thank you, maybe shake their hand, I don't know, ask for their name or something. No, when you recognize that this person has saved your life, that thanks, it just pours out of you. Thank you so much for what you've done. How can I ever repay you for what you've done? 
the focus isn't on the fact that you're giving thanks to them because without what that person did, you would have never had the chance to say thank you because you would have been hit by a bus. And the same thing is true here. The focus is not on our response, but instead on who God is and the fact that that naturally causes our response. When we start to recognize who God is, that joy, that thanksgiving that is talked about in this passage, that just naturally flows out of us. It's the natural response to God revealing who he is to us and what he's done. And that revelation that we see all throughout his word, all throughout the Bible, God is teaching us about who he is and what he's done. And so that response of worshiping him with a heart full of joy and a heart full of thanksgiving, it's just the natural outpouring of when we realize what God has done for us. It's really the only appropriate response because God has loved us so much in a way that we never deserved. Our God is so immensely powerful to have created the universe, created each and every one of us, and yet so loving to have come and to take the punishment that we deserve, the fact that we rebelled against him. That is the God that we worship. And as we come to the table this morning, I hope that that will be our attitude, an attitude of joy and of thanksgiving, recognizing what was done for us at the cross, what Jesus' sacrifice means. The fact that every single one of us deserved death, and yet Christ took that death for us, and three days later defeated death, rising again, so that we could have a relationship with God that was once broken by our own sin. That is what we're remembering. That is what we're celebrating when we come to the table this morning. And so I challenge you, as we come to the table, come to the table with a heart full of thanksgiving and a heart full of joy for the power and the intimacy and love of our God. That is the gospel, and it is the greatest news that has ever been shared on this earth or ever will be shared. Nothing could ever come close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, God, for how powerful, for how majestic you are in creating this world, and yet, Lord, still how intimate and loving to have sent your Son to die to save us. God, it is a gift we don't deserve, and so we thank you, Lord. As we come to the table, we remember the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you so much for what you have done. And God, I pray that as we come, that we would have hearts that are humble, God, hearts that are full of joy and full of thanksgiving for who you are and for what you've done for us, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that this is an encouragement to you. As always, if you want to know more about us and our ministry, feel free to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or go to our website. Thanks so much and see you next time.